You're listening to Understanding Disordered Eating. I'm your host, Rachel Heinemann, licensed mental health counselor. Each week, we explore the deeper meaning of our relationship with food and our body. I interview experts in the field of eating disorders and psychoanalysis to bring you the answers about why you do the things you do and bring you one step closer to a healthier relationship with food and yourself. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast or welcome. If this is your first time, I'm so glad that you're here. Today's episode is episode 44 with just us. So today we are talking about red flags. Just a little bit of background, maybe to help you understand how I conceptualize eating disorders and disordered eating is that I see it on a continuum. So if on one side, there's healthy eating, absolutely nothing is up with one's relationship with food. And the other side is full-blown, pretty serious eating disorder. Everything on the middle would be some form of disordered eating and then sort of entering into eating disorder territory. And I say this because it's not just something switches and, oh, someone goes from being completely okay with food to having an eating disorder or oh, that means that you have an eating disorder. It's not really the case. It's so much more complicated and fuzzy. And I think that what's significant here is that this is my understanding of it. This is my opinion. Okay, yes, my professional opinion, but it is my perspective. So I want you to come at this with a grain of salt. This is going to be something that you look at critically from your own perspective. And that even... If somebody does fall on, quote, the side of the continuum that is disordered eating and not, quote, eating disorder, I think everybody deserves support. So whether or not you or somebody you love meets criteria from this DSM Bible about an eating disorder doesn't mean, well, if you don't meet criteria, it doesn't mean that you don't deserve to get help. Because let's be real, somebody who's struggling with disordered eating is at risk for an eating disorder. So even though we're talking about labels and what's disordered eating, what's an eating disorder, what to look out for, what's kind of a problem and what is for sure a problem, uh, I hate labels. Everybody deserves support. So again, like if you're waiting for something, let this be it. Go out and get some support. Seek out a dietitian who specializes in eating disorders or intuitive eating. Reach out to a therapist. Trust me, you will never feel sick enough. That is a thing. Okay, so another piece about my perspective. My understanding of disordered eating is quite sadly a large portion of the population. And what I mean by that is that when so many people talk about I'm being healthy and I'm you know just eating healthy or watching or all these different catchphrases, As much as this is normal, meaning most people do it, to me, it doesn't mean that it's healthy. So if we're talking about restriction or eating only salads or working out in the gym all the time, that it could be that in your personal community or just in general, that that's normal. Again, to me, it doesn't mean that that's healthy. So I say this because... I might say something is disordered and for you, that might seem quite normal and that's completely okay. 
Because first of all, you don't have to agree with me. And second of all, if you feel fine with your relationship with food, wonderful. Like, don't touch it. That's great. We're talking to the people that kind of know that there's something is up. And even though they're doing what it seems like everybody else is doing, it still doesn't feel right. Then maybe it's a bit of a problem. So again, feel free to disagree with me. That's totally fine. Let's jump into some red flags. And I'm hoping that you're going to take my bit of an intro and uh, use that throughout all of the red flags. Again, I do want to emphasize this point that if it's not a problem for you and you're doing your life fine, then I'm not saying anything about it. You do you. So the first thing that I want to talk about is this idea when someone continually talks about weight, anything food-related, calories or nutrition. They talk about compensating for their eating. So a lot of diets and working out, and they're really interested in food and nutrition. So there's a couple of different ways to look at this. If somebody was never really interested in cooking and what's inside of foods, and all of a sudden they're just always talking about like, oh, how many calories is in this? Or this is so healthy. Or you never really noticed what they ate when all of a sudden they're only eating chia seed pudding or some other thing like that, the difference is going to be significant. So notice when somebody has never really been interested in it and then sort of takes an increased interest in it. They're always cooking, they're always making these things, they're always posting on their Instagram, you know, just something that sort of indicates where their mind is at. But for somebody who this isn't necessarily a drastic change for them, they've always been a foodie. The idea is that when we talk, we can sort of see where our mind is at. So say I'm talking with one friend and she's always talking about food, weight, body image, diets, all those things. I can sort of tell that that's where her mind is at. If I am talking to somebody else and all they're talking about is, I don't know, this particular family member that's annoying them, I can tell that that's the thing that their mind is focused on. So the idea is when someone continually talks about one topic or a series of topics, you can tell that that's where their mind is at. And usually it's pretty obsessive. So if you can tell from the way that they're talking that this is something that they're focused on, that might be a red flag. So I'm not saying that swapping recipes is a problem. I'm saying if this is either a drastic difference in this person's way of talking, or it seems like there's a very big interest in some form of diets, nutrition, and weight. So pay attention to how you or your loved ones are talking. The next thing to look out for is talk about their body. Or if we're talking to you and and you're trying to evaluate where your relationship with food is and body is, how are you talking about your body? If it's constantly negative, I feel so fat. Oh my gosh, I'm disgusting. Oh my gosh, I shouldn't have had that. Oh, this this looks terrible on me. Oh my gosh, I'm such a house today, indicating how big you are. Like Those sort of ways of talking very negatively around your body or around a person's body or just the focus on the body is going to be significant. So notice how are they talking about their body? Are they talking about their body? The next one is movement. Look out for your exercise. 
Are you exercising a lot? Are you exercising in comparison to before? Is it increased? So say you've never worked out before and all of a sudden you're working out all the time. Or is it just something that feels sort of like a crutch? So for example, it's really, really difficult not to move, even if it's a holiday and you're getting together with your family and there's no time to go to the gym or you're sick and it would probably be best if you didn't move today or there's something else that happened and it just, you find it really, really difficult and so anxiety provoking not to move. Or if you're observing someone, you find that they're going on these like hours and hours long walks. Like it's not really high intensity. What's the problem with a walk, but it's just really long and they're just always moving. There's something up with that. So I would just look out for it. The next one is body checking. And this can look different for everybody. Some people sort of just like, you know, the thing where somebody wakes up in the morning and says, not says, sort of like feels their stomach and it's like, oh, checking if it's flat or they go straight to the mirror and they see how they look. Or some people actually try to measure their body. A really common one is when you're walking in the city And if you're around a big city and there are tons of buildings that are very reflective, just always stopping and looking and seeing what you look like, checking yourself, fixing yourself, just this almost obsession with how your body looks and feels. The next one I want to talk about is not directly related with food or body, but it's something that is really significant. So it's emotionally withdrawing. And this can probably be something that you notice in someone else. I don't know how well you can notice this in yourself. But when you notice somebody who either was the life of the party before and then sort of just like dwindles down, or even if they weren't that outgoing, they just completely withdraw. So they skip family meals. They don't hang out with their friends anymore. They don't make an effort to go out. Whenever there's something going on, there's an excuse not to go out. Really any version of this, some sort of emotional withdrawal. So they sort of socially withdraw and then emotionally withdraw. So it can also seem as like they're sort of retreating inward, if you will, and their personality changes and they're just sort of quiet and sad, even if it isn't like this really obvious thing that hits you with a ton of bricks, but it's just very like subtle sometimes and sometimes drastic personality, emotional, and social changes. The next one is avoiding eating in public. So Some people find it really anxiety-provoking to eat in public, and they will not. So for example, especially if you have big family holiday meals, they'll refuse to go to a meal, or they'll refuse to go out to eat because there are people around. They only eat by themselves. So that's something to also notice. Are they eating around people? The next one is skipping meals or snacks. This is not something that you'd really be that privy to unless you're sort of like in their nose, which might actually be annoying. But if you notice that somebody just hasn't had breakfast or lunch, or they're always not hungry for a snack, or during meals, they sort of pick up their plate and they just have an excuse to be anywhere besides for the meal. If you notice that either you or somebody are skipping meals or snacks, that is a big red flag. The next one I want to talk about is a sometimes not an always the case thing. And that is significant weight loss or weight gain. That's the kind of thing that becomes physical that we can see. 
You know, so like the typical story, I guess, in the media, this person lost so much weight. Oh my gosh, they're so sick. They need help. Now, sometimes that happens, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to happen. What I'm trying to say is that it is a red flag if somebody has a significant change in their weight. It doesn't matter which way. There's something that probably is there, but also doesn't mean that the problem isn't there if that isn't there. Let me rephrase that. There's too many negatives. Somebody can still have a really significant eating disorder without the significant change in weight. So I'm saying this because it is a big red flag. If somebody has a significant change in weight, it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be there. I hope that part makes sense. The next one is hiding food or if they feel shameful about eating. So you notice like tons of wrappers in their room or I'm not sure why you would be snooping in their room. That's kind of weird. But if you just notice where they keep hiding their food and they seem to be ashamed about eating or really, really uncomfortable around it, that's also something to look out for. The next one is if you're eating with them and they constantly run to the bathroom after meals or snacks, it might be because they're purging. So just a pattern of of running to the bathroom after eating is something to look out for. And the last one that I want to mention is if they've lost or you have lost a period. So if you're a menstruating person and you haven't menstruated for a few months, I mean, I guess anything could be happening if it's one or two months, but if it's more than that, then there's something up with it, usually malnutrition. So that's going to be really significant to seeing if somebody might have an eating disorder. I hope these were helpful. So they're just sort of like some red flags that are rattled off. And I think that, again, just sort of taking this with a grain of salt, that some people might experience all of these. Some people might experience just some of them. But I think what's important is that if you don't know anything about this or how to detect it in yourself or in one of your loved ones, these are some things that you can start to look out for. And I think will empower you to be able to notice these things. Because what's significant about this is that if you see the red flags, you can get yourself or somebody else help as soon as possible. And when you get somebody help sooner than later, the chances of healing, recovery, whatever word you want to use it is so, so much higher. You cannot even imagine. So my word to you is that even if this person or you do not meet criteria for an eating disorder, these things don't resonate with you. Maybe you're kind of obsessed with food and weight and you know it's a problem, but like you don't purge, you don't hide food, you're not socially withdrawn, but there's still something up with food, get help now. Now do yourself a favor and get help now because recovery and healing is going to be so much easier. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be easier. And your chances of making it through this are going to be so much greater. You made it to the end. Thank you for listening. Every single one of your downloads means so much to me. If this conversation is leaving you wanting more, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. You'll have the opportunity to reply back directly to me over there. Can't wait to see you in your inbox.